The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Happy Monday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on a hot and sunny Monday afternoon here in the Auburn Opelika area, Monday, June 5th, 2023. This is On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins. Alongside me, as always, is Carter Bird. Hope you all had a fantastic weekend. Uh, lots to talk about on the show today. Some good, uh, some not so good. And we'll, we'll get into everything that happened. Happened involving Auburn athletics this weekend some stuff going on around the country uh, get you updated on softball baseball what's going on in regional super regional and college world series play uh, so much going on with that uh, we have some Auburn football news to talk about today so should be a fantastic show uh, and hope you all had a fantastic weekend Carter happy Monday brother how was your weekend I was good it was a great weekend other than um, maybe some teams that we went and watched just falling utterly flat yeah yeah and we will uh unfortunately we'll talk about it today and so uh, that is on on the docket for today of course Auburn baseball with a disappointing showing at home this weekend in the regional we'll talk about that we'll talk about the Auburn football commit uh, got another guy coming in for 2023 so we'll talk about those things in hour number one and in hour number two Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network will join us to recap the 2023 baseball season talk some football and basketball a little bit as well and so Jacob Hillman will join us at 3 30 on the phone lines but until then phone lines are open it's Monday we want to hear from you your thoughts and reactions to anything that happened over the weekend give us a call 334-321-1390 that number again 334-321-1390 we'll also give you our best and worst things we saw over the weekend Uh, we do that every Monday and so we'll get to that coming up in just a little bit as well we'd love to hear from you on what you saw over the weekend could be Auburn related doesn't have to be and we'd love to hear from you 334-321-1390 we'll jump right into it here on the Monday edition of on the line Auburn baseball they're staying home but not in the good way Uh, they had a chance to host a super regional at Plainsman Park would have and they would have because what needed to happen happened outside of Auburn Alabama but unfortunately what had to happen here at Plainsman Park just didn't happen. Auburn goes 0 for 2 in the regional after losing to Penn on Friday night and letting Southern Miss come back and beat them uh, the next day. And so Auburn goes 0 for 2 and they are out of the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I think that this is a situation where you, uh, I think this Auburn team was probably somewhere in between the two versions that we got this year. I don't think they were a hosting level team. I think this showed it the way that. Uh, the at-bats were not there. Shout-out Chase Austin because he pitched his butt off. Yeah, and he I did. know he wasn't at well, 100%, and he pitched his butt off in game one and got no help 
from the Auburn offense, which is one of the more head-scratching things we've seen this year. I mean, Auburn, both games this weekend, it was painful. It was like pulling teeth just to get them to score runs. I mean, Auburn had four hits in 11 innings against Penn. I know Penn's starters are good, but it's Penn. You should be able to get some hits. I and mean, yes, you got nine hits in the uh, second game, but you only scored two runs. And it's worth noting, three errors across the two games cost Auburn runs in both of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and here's where I'll say, you know, you made the statement that Auburn was not a hosting level team. I think they deserved to host but they did not play. The resume, the resume, you deserve to host, yes. Yes, but they did not play like a host. And I think that's the biggest thing that comes out of it this weekend for Auburn baseball is because, look, there was a lot of controversy about whether Auburn should be hosting or not, given John Cohen on the board and all of that. And we'll get to that in just a second. But Auburn, given what they had become midway through the year, I mean, we've talked about it a million times about how after A&M, and after Texas or after Texas A&M and after Alabama, this team, the conversation was they are going to miss the NCAA tournament. They then turned it around like that. They became one of the hottest teams in all of college baseball, and they deserved to host at the end of it, given what the resume looked like and given what they had done to end the regular season. And even in Hoover, getting a win in the SEC tournament. Auburn baseball deserved to host a regional they just didn't play like it and you mentioned it five runs in two days you let Penn go extra innings and beat you and not just win they beat you like Penn straight up beat Auburn on Friday night and then Saturday yeah you got the hits but you couldn't get the runs you let Southern Miss beat you also seven to two and all of the outside noise of Auburn shouldn't have hosted a regional they shouldn't be here they should be somewhere else it should have been Campbell or whoever that crowd got a little bit louder when Auburn goes 0 for 2 in your own regional just not something you can do in my opinion man that that's a bad look if you are a team out of the SEC when you play two schools like Penn and Southern Miss which played really well yeah they played well but Penn they are not a, to Penn, your level Penn as a program the best four seed in the tournament in my mind um or you got to put Oral Roberts up there now absolutely they, they advanced through there were a few that were really good. Penn showed it with the way that they were able to secure the first two wins in the regional game. The uh, if necessary game that's happening today. I think it's just now getting underway at Plainsman Park. Um, when you watch these teams and and these matchups that took place in Auburn, I wasn't very impressed with Southern Miss. I wasn't and. You know, I thought Sanford was very beatable. And yet, Auburn still didn't look like... The body language got bad in Game 2 as soon as the three-run home run was hit. Mm-hmm. And then it never really came back. And that's that's frustrating, especially when you look at an Auburn team that has so many veteran guys on the team. So many guys out there that are... Uh, I mean, whether it's whether it's Cole Foster, Bobby Pierce, uh, Bryson Ware, Kaysen Howell, you've got all these guys, Nate Nate LaRue, you've got all these guys who've been through these battles. They've been Mm -hmm. on Auburn's campus. They've been to the College World Series. And it just felt like Auburn got crushed by a 3-0 lead that became 4-0, and the fight wasn't there. And that's the thing, is this weekend, 
you know, Auburn all year, when the turnaround happened, the offense was always there. And, and what did I the say? The offense on, got better. It did. Actually, it got, it got better. And what did I say on Friday? I said, I want this to be an offensive weekend where you don't have to worry about pitching. It was the exact opposite. I mean, the offense was almost non-existent. And that was the problem, especially on Saturday against Southern Miss. When they went out to that lead, I don't know about you and I don't know about our listeners, I had very little confidence in the offense to come back given what I saw on Friday night against Penn and what I saw early in that game against Southern Miss. Whereas through the back half of the year, the offense as I was, Auburn could have gotten down by four or five and come back and I had the confidence in them to do that. I didn't have the confidence in that this weekend. After watching what they did all game Friday night against Penn and the game against Southern Miss, I had zero confidence in the offense because the at-bats were just not good. They were not good at all. And and if you were there, if our listeners, if you were there Friday or Saturday, what'd you see? What'd you, what'd you see from this team? We'd love to hear from you at 334-321-1390. Yeah, um, I don't, I'm not often very critical of Butch Thompson and his staff. I mean, we were critical of shown rock this year and the pitching staff early that friday game i think might be the worst all-around managed game by a staff i've seen at auburn in a long time because of the lack of adjustments at the plate mm-hmm. that was pretty consistent all weekend but you had a guy for pin Dromboski. He was really good, but he kept throwing you that sweeping breaking ball. And Auburn did not adjust at all, at all. And it was really just dumbfounding to watch, to watch Auburn. Because it looked like, because Dromboski struck out eight and five and a third, it looked like Auburn kept going up there hunting the fastball when mm-hmm. it became clear after a couple innings, hey, this guy is coming breaking ball early and often. And if you if we went back and looked at it, I would say that breaking ball got thrown more than 50% of the time, and yet it never felt like Auburn altered the approach and tried to seek that pitch out. And that's when you start questioning, you know, was there communication in the dugout? Was there communication from coach to player? Was there communication from player to player, right? When somebody goes up there and they struck out, it's like, hey, breaking ball's coming, man. Be ready for it. I just don't know if it, and I'm not saying it wasn't, but it's hard not to think that when you saw the at-bats that Auburn had in these two games. Compared to what they did on the back half of the schedule, where the offense was really, really good. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the pitching got better, but the offense carried you to most of your wins. I mean, oh, you, yeah, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And so that's what, that's I'm with you, man. That's what was confusing about it. It just seemed off. And, and the game on Friday night really, really threw everybody into a shock. The crowd at Plainsman Park had zero to nothing to really get into and cheer about. Same thing on Saturday. There wasn't a whole lot going on in the this. park. Credit to the Auburn pitching staff for only walking four guys. Yeah. If Penn doesn't walk eight and hit two guys, Auburn doesn't score. Mm-hmm. Auburn doesn't score. And that's the thing. Penn, is the- Penn was giving runs to Auburn because Auburn couldn't get any hits to actually manufacture it on their own. Heck, Chris Stanfield couldn't even get a bunt down on the one time he tried. Man, he, he hit 
I mean, he had a good for for a guy that had a bad weekend stat wise. He put a barrel on a baseball just about every time, and it just there was a defender there every single time he put it on it. I mean, just every single time. Hard hit balls Friday night. Hard hit balls on Saturday. Yeah just right to the defenders and, and look that's baseball it happens he came down the stretch I believe three for 19 in the final four games in your leadoff spot which, that's tough which that's tough doesn't help and especially doesn't help when you've got Bobby Pierce and Cooper McMurray not doing much else either because it's yeah Bobby struggled this weekend too Bobby's been struggling like Bobby got that he had that actually I think they ruled his his hit in Hoover, I think they ruled an error, which I think is wrong in my book. Uh, it should have been caught, yes, but it was totally misplayed. Outfielder ran in, ball sailed over his head. Uh, wait, no, that that was the the Missouri game. I mean, Bobby, it was tough down the stretch. I mean, he was. Uh, I'm trying to find him on the Friday game. He was over. I mean, he was over three. In, yeah, he was over Friday in three had, games before yeah. uh, Saturday. And what do you Saturday, get? One hit Saturday? One five. Yeah. So you had a one for 14 stretch out of Bobby Pierce. You had a three for 19 stretch out of uh, Stanfield. McMurray wasn't much different. Um, he didn't manufacture much from, from Hoover on. And it's really hard when you're not when you're not getting those guys in the meat of the order on when you're at the beginning of the order, if they're not getting on base. And the guys behind them in the heart of the order are not taking good at bats. I mean, you aren't going to score very many runs, especially when you turn it over at the bottom of the order and you can't figure out who you want to play second base. And because you're turning over Caden Green, who did not hit well this year, and Brody Wortham, who did not hit well this year, and Nate LaRue, who was historically bad to start the year, got a lot better in SEC play, but kind of he settled into a cold stretch as well over the last three four games and it's just at the end of the year there were too many holes in the lineup because not not enough guys were getting stuff done I mean you you look at Friday night you have four hits and they were I believe uh Ike Irish goes two for five Cole Foster goes one for five and then Carter Wright gets a pinch hit hit but you had two guys in your starting lineup get a hit. I mean, you're you're not going to beat. Teams. You're not going to win in in, in postseason play, man. I don't care what conference the other team's from. Yep. When you're playing a G five team, and you're only getting three three hits out of your starting lineup in a game, you're not going to win any games. When we come back, I mentioned earlier about the outside noise of should Auburn have hosted? Should they be a host? And with John Cohen being who he is and where he is and who he represents in the, in the boards that he is on. The outside noise was very, very loud for Auburn in, in, a, in a negative way. An 0-2 performance in your own regional at home didn't help. I want to talk about that when we come back. We'd love to hear from you as we're off and running on the Monday edition of On the Line, 334-321-1390. We're talking more Auburn baseball when we come back. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7 online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. 
All right, back inside the studio here at ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader, talking Auburn baseball. And uh, we spent a good amount of time talking about all the things that Auburn didn't do. And we all know it just it just wasn't a good weekend of baseball, man. It just wasn't for Auburn. The, the bats weren't there. The, the coaching decisions were questionable. Um, it was just a bad weekend for Auburn baseball at Plainsman Park. And I mentioned already that we know the noise and the question marks around should Auburn have been a host in regional play Uh, there were other teams that look they had good resumes they very well could have done it I I do think that with Auburn's resume with what they did down the stretch they should have been a regional host now the noise outside of Auburn was very very loud about the fact that well should they be hosting a regional right did they do enough are there other teams more deserving of hosting a regional and Sure, there were other teams that could have, but Auburn did what they needed to do. And the question then came into play, well, we all know who John Cohen is, obviously the athletic director for Auburn, but more importantly with this situation, he is on the board, he is on the selection committee for Division I baseball. And so people were basically crying and complaining that Auburn got a a host spot because of John Cohen. And we had this conversation, Carter and I did, about... Will that have any influence? Maybe, but I don't think Auburn got to host a regional because John Cohen was in the room. But Carter's take, and I agreed with this, was that John Cohen being in the room would allow Auburn to get a fair shake, not a not an unfair shake in a positive way for Auburn, if that makes sense. And I, I, I tend to agree with that. Now, since Auburn went 0-2 that's not a great way to back it up trying to say you should have hosted a regional and going over two in your own regional inside Plainswood Park and he's already gotten basically called out on online and on Twitter uh the pin the pin baseball account when they beat Auburn uh they tweeted out the score in the picture they put a tag on there didn't really like this uh they said in all caps pin's gonna win the baseball game pin's gonna win the baseball game uh and we all know that is in reference to uh to the kick six and that's a separate conversation I just didn't I didn't like how that was put out but it is what it is then there was a coach from the Northeast that sent a tweet to uh, someone who works at D1 Baseball, and it said, quote, looks like this will give John Cohen time to get familiar with the rest of the field, which is referring to John Cohen's comments about being unfamiliar about teams from the Northeast in baseball. So there's a lot of outside noise and commotion about Auburn hosting a regional, should they have hosted, and again, Auburn had an argument until you go 0 for 2 in your own regional. I still don't think it means you shouldn't have hosted. Play better. <laughs> like, that's my biggest thing. Just play better, and you don't have to worry about the outside noise with John Cohen with going 0 for 2. Was that a Southern Miss fan that was tweeting that? No, well, somebody sent a text to uh, D1 Baseball, and it was a, a apparently it was a Northeast coach, is what it, a baseball coach from the Northeast, a college baseball coach, sent a text saying, looks like this will give John Cohen time to get familiar with the rest of the field because he admittedly said when they had him on, uh, I believe they had him on the selection show, John Cohen, oh, yeah. uh, he yeah. admitted that he didn't, he was not familiar with teams from the Northeast, which not a great statement. I know exactly what team that would have been that this coach is from. This would have been UConn because UConn uh, is a Northeast team that could have argued they may 
UConn or Boston College, one of those two, those are two teams that could have argued they should have hosted. Um, having said that, I don't know how those teams have done since that point. Uh, I am curious. Um, but I know Boston College is out because Alabama has advanced out. Yeah. Graham, you got something? Our our intern, our other stats guy, Graham, you got something to contribute here? Yeah, I uh, <clears throat> I was doing a little bit of research as you guys were talking about the regionals as a whole, and uh, UConn did not make it out. They lost to Texas Tech in game one. Mm-hmm. Uh, they won one on the way back, but then they got smashed by Florida. Eight to two, which is understandable. On the way back. And Florida did win that region, and then Campbell made it all the way to the final elimination game, where they lost to, I believe, it was South Carolina. Mm, okay, which that was, region. yeah, yeah. Which, so, which so was a surprising they, thing too. They made the the um, regional final, but I don't think they won. They would have had to have beaten South Carolina twice mm-hmm. to make it out. And um, credit to South Carolina because that was another questionable host as well, and they they handled business in their regional and they won and they're out going to a super regional. So credit to them. Yeah, they, it, it they was, stole all of Auburn's runs. Yeah, sixteen seven in the in the final game against Campbell. Auburn could have borrowed a fourth of those this weekend, and so no, that's a good point, Graham. We appreciate it. And um, no, I mean it's just I look, I get it, right? I understand that. From the outside looking in, there were teams that wanted to host and they felt that they got they got the short end of the yeah. stick because of Auburn, because of John Cohen. It just didn't help when you go over two. Your your argument is is pretty much null and void when you go O and two in your own regional. Yeah. I mean it's it's not great. Um and it was I just don't think that the sense of urgency was there at Auburn's team. I think it was Part of me wonders if there was a lasting effect, kind of what South Carolina did this year, because South Carolina went three and zero and scored forty five runs or forty one runs in their three games, which is what Auburn they did went last 19, year. Nineteen, sixteen, and six in their three wins. Auburn did something similar last year, and part of me wonders if there was this this effect. Not hangover effect, because that's more like when you win the championship and start the next year really rough or whatever, but this this effect of, oh, look how easy it was last year when we hosted a regional. It's going to be that again, because it just, I just didn't feel the sense of urgency that I think needed to be there. I saw this argument being made, and I'm curious what you have to say. Do you think that... Auburn and here's the thing this was going to happen eventually I think with this team look Auburn was playing really well and Auburn is very talented but at the end of the day was Auburn going to go and win a national championship in Omaha no probably not I don't think the the pitching was there and look I mean I think that there was a series of unfortunate events when it comes to you lost you lost Gonzo to start the year, mm-hmm. and Gonzo I think changes the aspect or the the changes the format of this weekend tremendously. You you would have thrown Gonzo against Southern Miss and been in that game. Gonzo doesn't give up two home runs in the first two innings no. to Southern Miss. I promise you that. And and realistically, because our our good buddy Jack Hudden and I were talking about it, Gonzo gives you a chance. When he, if he's the healthy version of him, 
to win several more games in the regular season. And we might be talking about an eight-draw Auburn rather than a 13-draw mm-hmm. Auburn, and maybe that would have been a more conducive field for them. But between that, between Tommy Vale getting sick and losing 12 pounds in three days, I don't think he ever really looked the same coming off of that. Well, here, here's where I was going was, did Auburn just run out of gas? That's where I. That's what I saw a lot of people saying, and I think I it think was going were, to happen eventually. I think they were more dinged up and and nicked up than we realized. Yeah, and I I think it all just kind of caught up to them. And then the the other argument is, well, did they? We have this conversation in basketball so much. Did they quote peak too early? No, because Auburn had to do what they did to get where they were. And so I don't think Auburn peaked too early by any means. Auburn baseball. I think they may have just ran out of gas. I really do. I think they may have just run out, and and they should not have lost this regional this weekend, but they were going to lose eventually, and the bats just weren't there. What carried them all year long just ran out this weekend at Plainsman Park. So Auburn baseball out of the regional, but stay tuned. Auburn football's got some news that we get to talk about a commitment when we come back. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. He's Carter Bird. I'm Jacob Goins with you on the Monday edition of the show. Well, taking a break from baseball, we'll talk some more about it in hour number two uh, when Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network joins us at 3.30. But some more positive news to talk about from over the weekend. Auburn football, not done yet. They picked up another commitment for 2023. The JUCO transfer defensive back chancellor champ anthony he goes by champ uh, and so chancellor champ anthony is a juco defensive back he is joining hugh freeze and the tigers as a 2023 enrollee will be in classes quote in the next couple of weeks and have you he seen, have you seen a picture of him yet i have yeah he looks like he's 12 <laughs> i know but he's six foot one 176 pounds he is uh he's he's talented man he, he's really really talented and you look at some of his stats uh, from this past season. Uh, he had 14 tackles, two pass breakups, and an interception in just four games as a freshman. So he's got some skill. Strong. He's got some skill. He's a JUCO guy, which if you remember back in the day before the transfer portal became the biggest thing that it is, Auburn, Auburn would go and get some JUCO guys every single year. And if you remember, they've gotten some halfway decent JUCO players to come through this program. So yeah. Juco used to be the place to go, man. And I like I like getting junior college guys. They are college football players with experience who what for whatever reason didn't get on the big stage to start or maybe they did and had to take the step back and go to the Juco level, but they always seem to have a little bigger like a little better head on their shoulder and it always seems like they have a little bit more maturity even if they're younger like like uh, champ anthony is and so i'm excited to see what he does i you know more of a depth piece i think right now on the defensive side of the football 100%. but auburn's got to be happy to get another body in the room 100 i mean he's he's not he's not going to be somebody who's going to play a significant role at all this next year he's he's there because 
He's a body that can play safety, and he's a body that can't play corner. There, if you got in a disaster situation, you can play him in both spots. There's some versatility there. Um, he's not. I don't think. I don't think he's ranked anywhere right right now. When you go look at him, uh, at least I have not seen him ranked mm-hmm. on um, on three or two four seven at this point in time, which tells me that. Um, this had to have been. He had to really have impressed on his JUCO film. He had to really have impressed Zach Etheridge um, and Coach Crime Dog, because uh, Wesley McGriff. Because those two. This is an interesting move at this point in the cycle. We had thought that Auburn was looking to add another DB. We had the whole thing with uh, Cyrus Dumas. Um, I think he was a little shorter than they would have liked. And, I mean, he's probably too short to play both at a high level. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were looking for a little bit more size, and they found him in uh, Champ Anthony here, who's, um, I think, has there is a path to playing time after this year. Mm-hmm. You've got a very veteran-heavy, deep defensive back room. You've got DJ James, who's going to be in the NFL this time next year. Nehemiah Pritchett will probably be in the NFL this time next year. Uh, Keontae Scott, I think he'll be a draft pick as well. I think those three will get drafted. Jalen Simpson, could he get drafted? Could he? Well, I think he might be done anyway. There's The the DBs at Auburn, I feel like, are, are always um, – sneakily younger than you realize right but here's the good thing about a guy like champ anthony who is from tyler texas he's coming in and as i mentioned he's a depth piece he's a depth piece that has a chance to get a little bigger get a little stronger and get better and i think with that down the road uh god forbid auburn's having to deal with defensive back injury problems this season to where uh they would need to go three or four deep but if that's the case or just later on in his career he's only I mean he's he has one year of college so he's coming in with plenty of time to to be a depth piece get better and then if he impresses over time then yeah he may find himself in a significant role on the football field and we'd love to hear from our our listeners about your thoughts Auburn just continuing to bring guys in uh champ Anthony from the Juco college ranks 334-321-1390 here's the thing that stood out to me was his quote after his official visit uh and why and basically why he committed to Auburn uh he said quote it was the coaches and the environment he said uh you can't beat playing in the SEC every kid dreams of playing in the SEC going from juco to playing in the southeastern conference that's not heard of it's not regular he said i had to take this opportunity to play here and play along with some great coaches hugh freeze knowing he's a he's going to turn this program around i've seen his lineage it was a great opportunity for me to fit in right opportunity for me to come and play and i know i can make an impact so sounds pretty good to me and it sounds like he's grateful for the opportunity to be playing at auburn in the southeastern conference yeah well i mean he's and rightfully he should be because, I mean, how many other opportunities was he going to get better than this one right now? Probably not many. Probably not many without going through another year of JUCO. I mean, his other offers were La Monroe, Mississippi Valley State, Missouri State, and BYU. BYU, obviously, the second strongest on that list. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's got the right mindset to want to come in and make a difference and 
and um, and play hard. And he's going to have to work because Zach Etheridge and Weston McGriff, they're going to continue to bring in talent in that DB's room. We've seen it. Uh, but this potentially sets up for a situation if you see Simpson, DJ James, uh, Keontae Scott, and Nehemiah Pritchett all go out the door. You've got Donovan Kaufman and um, you've got Donovan Kaufman and JD Rim and K and Lee right now. The only guys that you know for sure that are are good uh, options, the reliable options, and I think that JD Rim and K and Lee will be high level uh, corners and hold that down after DJ James and Nehemiah Pritchett leave. Um, but there will be a path for 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 uh, Champ Anthony to get on the field in 2024, whereas he will be pretty much relegated to a 100% depth piece right now in 2023. Yeah, and and when you look at when you look at this this defense for Auburn in in this position in particular, you talked about you talked about the guys that are going to be high level players this year in the Southeastern Conference and you're also talking about guys that are going to be playing on Sundays. Um that's really really strong. And so outside of Champ Anthony who committed to Auburn over the weekend, you look at that position for this team on what's going to be a pretty solid defense. We've talked about how this particular position group is probably the best on the defense, right there with the defensive line. Um, I think these you're dealing with guys who are experienced, who know what they're doing, can hold their own in the SEC, and as you mentioned, are going to be playing in the NFL. And so that has to get Auburn fans corner, excited. Corner especially. Mm-hmm. Like corner, I think you've got – four guys between and I'm counting Keontae Scott in that group. You've got four guys that I think are NFL players. And that's Nehemiah Pritchett, DJ James, Keontae Scott, Kay and Lee. Really five. Because I think JD Rim is as well. I think all five of those guys will play in the NFL. And I think they are they have a chance to be that good and that special. Safety's a little shakier. Jalen Simpson, I think, has the highest upside of that group and remains to be seen what else shakes out there this year. Zion Puck has been there for a while. Um, he's a little injury-prone. Donovan Kaufman, not huge in his size, plays really hard. He's a little injury-prone. So I think that is another reason why it makes sense to go get a guy like Champ, Champ Anthony who can play a safety role in a pinch if you have Kaufman and Puckett go down like we've seen in the past couple years. And you put it into perspective, think about the quarterbacks that are in the SEC that are going to be throwing against these guys that Auburn's going to see in 2023. Will Rogers from Mississippi State, right? You have a guy like him who will absolutely tear a defense up, and we've seen Auburn's past defense in the the past 
not be all that great and teams drop back and throw all over them now we saw last year that was a big reason and that was a big problem because the defensive line could not get to the quarterback and it doesn't matter if you put uh, a third string safety at the quarterback spot they were going to complete a pass on Auburn's defense last year they just couldn't hold up that long but you look at somebody like Will Will Rogers or Jaden Daniels from LSU or whoever in the world starting at Alabama KJ Jefferson at Arkansas if he could become a better thrower like Auburn's gonna see some quarterbacks this year that can throw the ball and having the experience and the skills that Auburn does in the secondary at corner and even safety um, I think you're going to feel really really good sure you're gonna have big plays at times but I don't think you're gonna see as many big plays that we've seen in the past you're not gonna see guys running just wide open all the time like we've seen in the past as well there's nothing that frustrates me more than dude somebody just running wide open with nobody even near him man that that really just bugs me but I don't think you're gonna see that much this year with the Auburn secondary I really really don't yeah and especially if Auburn can get some pass rush to help those guys um Auburn's pass defense could be pretty special if if Auburn can generate pass rush with Keldrick Falk Elijah McAllister uh McLeod those Steven Sings those guys off the edge with the interior guys that that you have um if those guys can get push, like I think they, they have a chance to, because you've got some big boys up front and Jason Jones and Justin Rogers, and uh, you've you've also got Marcus Harris and Mo, Mosiah Nasilikite, who I think are going to play key roles. If you can get pass rush, this has a chance to be a really good Auburn pass defense, better than we've seen in probably a, a little while now. Auburn picks up a commitment over the weekend. The JUCO transfer out of Tyler, Texas. Chancellor Champ Anthony at the defensive back spot. Six foot one, 176 pounds. In four games as a freshman this past year, had 14 tackles, two pass breakups, and an interception again in just four games. And so Auburn adding depth to the defensive side of the football once again. And I think it's going to be a really special year for the Auburn defense. 334-321-1390. We'd love to hear your thoughts on it, uh, on anything else going on when we come back we'll wrap up our number one we'll talk about the braves the playoffs going on for nhl and nba get you caught up on everything going on outside of auburn as we wrap up our number one here on the monday edition of on the line you are on the line on espn 1067 call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 Wrapping up the first hour here on the Monday edition of On the Line. He's Carter Bird. I'm Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 1067. Um, we're going to talk some baseball, basketball, hockey, just kind of get you caught up on everything going on outside of Auburn. Uh, but we're scrolling through uh, social media through the break. And Laura Relledge from ESPN had her baby a couple, de- a couple, I guess like a week or so ago is what she posted. So good for her, man. Congratulations. She is awesome at her job mm-hmm. and just she is just unbelievably good i talked to her at media days last year uh she was uh, super super nice and so congrats to her and her second kid with a uh, former baseball player so good for her good for laura Relich. but outside of that um you've got baseball news we can talk about you have basketball news with the nba finals how about the miami heat tying up the series last night in denver winning for the the first team to win in denver in the postseason all season long and so Denver was 9-0 and at home in the playoffs before Miami walked in there as a big underdog by the way came back in the second half and beat the Nuggets tied 1-1 head to Miami 
I mean, are we shocked though with the way that they this this Heat team has has just found a way to be competitive um, against all the odds? Like nobody expects them to win any of these games, and they just they just find ways to win uh, and grind it out. And you know, we I mean, they're talking about it on ESPN right now. We we talk about Heat culture and all this stuff. I mean. There's no way they should win this series, but... No, I, I said Nuggets in six, and so we're kind of on pace for that, but I mean, the, the Heat if, should if, not if win anything, this series. If anything, you're on, you're on pace for the Heat to win. Yeah, kind of. I'm interested to see how the Denver Nuggets play. They're going to split in Miami. They're you think so? split in Miami, and we're going to go back to Denver in a 2-2 tie, and from, that, from then on, it's going to get really hard for the Heat to win the series. But if they play like they did last night and they can hold Denver to play like they did last night, because you, did you see the stat about Nikola Jokic? He had only four assists. A dude yeah. that gets a double-double every single game with assists and points, he had four assists, and he yeah, had more means, turnovers than he did assists last that night. That means Jamal Murray has taken the lead in the series in assists, I believe. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I think I think Jokic had like 14 in game 1. I think Murray had 9. And then Murray had uh 10 last night. Were we talking about that stat on the air that ridiculous no. betting line? We were we, we were talking about it in the uh in the other studio. Yeah. WLE studio. That is an unbelievable betting line. It was what? Like minus 20,000 for Nikola Jokic to lead the entire NBA Finals in assists and through two games he's in second place so you could sprinkle any amount of money on anybody else and make a pretty penny like it was it was a ridiculous betting line for him to lead in assists and yeah it was minus 20,000 that is insane to start the series which he's good at that don't get me wrong but Jamal Murray was who I was kind of like that's intriguing uh he was plus 1700 and he's currently up one assist i think hey hey a lead is a lead man a lead is a lead and so yeah i watched that game last night and through the first half i was like oh no here we go again denver's just gonna put it on them they're gonna go up two no like two nothing it's gonna be ugly and then all of a sudden miami came back in the second half and really had their way in the fourth quarter and they won that game denver had a chance to win it he's got a two Assist Two assist lead for Jamal Murray. Yeah, because he's had ten assists in both games. Good for him. Good so for him. So if you can just get him being consistent and the Heat continuing to let Jokic shoot thirty times a game, you might cash that bet. You might cash that bet. Which for the Nuggets, that's not the way to win. Obviously, they do not need Nikola Jokic <laughs> to shoot thirty times. Considering he shot thirty times, like what once this entire yeah it's ridiculous at home for yeah the only time that they lost at home yeah they like there's no need for that there's other guys on that team for he doesn't have to shoot it that many times and so that series has gotten interesting um you look at that's tied up at one apiece heading back to uh heading back to miami and reminder you can listen to every single nba finals game on espn radio right here on espn 106.7 so be sure you're tuning in for that every single game whether it's four or whether it's five games six games seven games listen right here on espn 106.7 they have fantastic radio booths and radio calls uh for the nba finals so be sure you're tuning in for that um you look at the stanley cup really quick vegas they won on saturday they go up one nothing in the stanley cup over uh the florida panthers and so that's sort of an update on that uh how about the braves uh they had some interesting storylines from over the weekend did the atlanta braves including marcelo zuna getting benched yesterday did you see that i did not 
He basically, I didn't see the whole story because I didn't read into it because when I see that Marcelo Zuna gets benched, I'm like, he probably deserved it. <laughs> like, he probably did something that he wasn't supposed to do or maybe just went back to his old ways. Uh, so he got benched, but you saw the Braves playing the Diamondbacks. They actually win yesterday, 8-5, to five, uh, did the Atlanta Braves. And so they are now 35-24 and 24, thanks to a three-game uh, win over the Arizona Diamondbacks. They go 2-3 of three after dropping the opener, which leads them to the New York Mets coming up in the next team on their schedule uh, for Atlanta. So they, they play also, that in New York. They also just optioned Soroka back down after two mm-hmm. starts coming off the, the Achilles tear. Apologies. That game is in Atlanta. They're finally back home after going out west to Oakland and Arizona. So they're back playing uh, New York and they're then Washington. Fortunate, fortunate to win that series against Arizona mm-hmm. because you had to – you had to do some late inning magic to win that game because you were you were down five three the whole way. You tallied an extra, you put an extra one on the board in the seventh, cut it to five to four, and you're an Eddie Rosario uh, grand slam uh, wins the game for you, which he rocked. By the way, mm-hmm. he he got all of that baseball coming off of a series loss against the Oakland A's. Like that's just. That can't happen, man. <laughs> like, not for this Braves team. You can't lose to the A's. Coming off of the series split with Philadelphia. Coming off the loss against the Los Angeles Dodgers. So, the Braves have not been playing their best baseball, but they're coming into a series starting uh, tomorrow and with the New York Mets. A three-game series against the Mets. According to ESPN, uh, it will be... Elder going for uh, the Braves. It'll be Carrasco going for the Mets. Charlie Morton on Wednesday against Max Scherzer. And then Spencer Strider and Justin Verlander. That's what ESPN has. I don't know if that's 100% accurate yet, but that's what ESPN's saying for the Braves and the Mets matchup. So looking forward to that. What a shame that that, that Thursday game is not prime time on some big network for the whole country to, to watch Strider versus Verlander on the mound. That'd be too easy. That'd be that would make too much sense for Major League Baseball to figure that out. Oh, this is a bummer. The uh projected pitchers for for the week is already out of date because Michael Soroka will not be pitching in game 1 against the uh Nat, the Nationals. Oh, well, well there you go. So those are to be determined then. Yes. <laughs> those will those will be to be determined. You look at the uh, the the NL standings really quick. The Braves still at the top. They got a three and a half game lead over the Marlins, a five and a half game lead over the New York Mets. So they're doing all right, but they got to pick it up a little bit. Haven't been playing their best baseball. That's it for hour number one. Come back. We'll talk Auburn baseball and football coming up in hour number two. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins 
at Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Happy Monday, everybody. Hope you're doing well as we get underway in hour number two here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. He is Carter Bird. I'm Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7. As always, if you missed any of the first hour, talked a lot of Auburn baseball, sort of recap the season a little bit, recap the weekend, really, and what was a, a disappointing showing from Auburn baseball at Plainsman Park. We talked a lot about that and the outside noise that has been coming Auburn's way and so talked a lot about that in the first hour. Also talked about the new football commit for Auburn, uh, the defensive back Juco transfer. Uh, so if you missed any of that and looking to catch up later on today, you can find that uh, via the podcast at ESPNAU.com. Just click on the podcast center. It'll be commercial free right after the show or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. But coming up here in hour two, we'll talk some more baseball including Auburn give you some updates around uh, around the country who's already moved on the game going on right now at Plainsman Park uh, we'll give you updates from all of that coming up in just a few minutes then at 3:30, Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network will join us as he does every Monday at 3:30. we'll get his thoughts on Auburn's performance this weekend and uh, just kind of get the rundown on Auburn athletics from Jacob Hillman so that's at 3:30. but until then phone lines are open give us a call we'd love to hear from you you are wonderful listeners 334-321-1390 that number again 334-321-1390 my daggum colts man what'd they do this time there's a colts player under investigation for pervasive wagering on his own team on his own team yeah can't help you with that one (laughs) if if you're betting on your own team well and that comes back to it like if you're betting on your own team to win Fine. If you're betting on your own team to lose, then yeah, there's some stuff going on. Increasingly but, more on the side of you can't do it at all because you may know inside information. Yeah, and that that was a point brought up. I can't remember who said it, but it was a really good way to say it. Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, and look, when the Reds also, thing broke, we knew that this was going to start breaking are being everywhere. So dumb with it, though. So dumb inside team facilities and stuff like that. It's so bad. It's all right, man. It's all right. Don't worry. I'm sure somebody on the Packers will do it, and then we can be in pain together. So wonderful. The Colts are just dumb. Yeah. Well, I mean, at least you have a great season to look forward to. You're right, because Anthony Richardson's the truth. (laughs) You, yeah. I mean, maybe so. We'll see how it goes. I would take I would take Anthony Richardson right now for the Packers instead of Jordan Love. But it's okay. And here's the thing. I'm going to say all this about Jordan Love, and then he's going to come out and just light the world on fire, and I'm going to have to eat my words, which I will be okay with. He is not doing that. You can't keep hitting the lottery every time. Let's be real here. Says who? Law of averages. (laughs) Pick it. Pick any. What, you're saying that Jordan Love is not going to be to the likes of Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers? No, not at all. He's not going to be close. I mean, if I were a bet man, that's probably what I would put my money on. But glad to hear your culture doing well up in Indianapolis. <laughs> but with college baseball going on right now, we know what happened with Auburn. They go 0-2 in the regional. Lots of noise about whether they should have hosted when the, when the selection committee got together and the results came out. There were people fired up that Auburn shouldn't host. There's other teams that should, UConn or, or Campbell or Boston College or whoever. 
And then it was Auburn's job to prove them wrong and have a good showing in their regional. Well, that didn't happen. You go 0 for 2. You let Penn just absolutely beat you on Friday night. You didn't just lose. You got beat on Friday night. Mm -hmm. And then on Saturday, Southern Miss, timely hitting, couple of home runs. Auburn's offense, the bats woke up a little bit, but you couldn't really squeak through any runs. And Auburn goes 0 for 2 on the weekend. They're going home. By the way, this is what's currently happening right now. Talking about the Auburn regional something Auburn did not have in their first two games and their only two games of the NCAA tournament bottom half of the order did nothing well really the entire order did nothing what's happening right now over at Plainsman Park is a thing of beauty the top four hitters for Penn who is who who's leading the game 0 for 10 the bottom five hitters Seven for ten. Wow. As they now have a five to one lead. How about those Penn Quakers? They're the best team. They're the best I team in the that, regional. I said that after the game. I said, that's the best team here. That's the best team here. There's there's no way around it. Yeah. Because they they look the most mentally prepared to take on the challenge. From the word go, there were moments where I mean we obviously saw Southern Miss didn't handle their first game particularly great. The lineup was shaky. Uh, Cravey pitched his butt off for Sanford uh, against the the um, Southern Miss ace and got the win. And then we saw them liven up against Auburn. And But Penn has taken advantage of every mistake by their opponents, and they continue to play very sound ball. I wasn't impressed by Southern Miss. I really wasn't. They were, I thought coming in, they were the well, team for Auburn to time. beat. There's still time for them to impress you. There is. It's now 5-2, to two, by the way. Well, here they come, I guess. Penn just played the best ball this weekend, and I know they still got to finish out this game, but they played better than everybody are, else in Auburn. You were jinxing these, these poor Penn Quakers. Yeah, my track record's not great. It's, it's, it's actually really bad. are probably going to lose by 15 now. Probably, and they can throw tomatoes at my house if they want to. But they have played to this point. They've played the best baseball out of anybody that came to Auburn, Alabama. And here's what's really unfortunate is we talked late last week with Lindsey when he was in here and Jack when he was in here. If everything went like we thought it would, if Auburn handled business in their regional uh, and let the offense go to work, not have to pitch a whole lot, not have to rely on your pitching, and have a dominant regional similar to what you did last year, and if Tennessee were to go to Clemson, South Carolina and win like we thought they would, which, by the way, they did, Auburn would have hosted a Super Regional this weekend. They would have hosted a Super Mm -hmm. Regional in Plainsman Park this coming weekend. Now, Did Auburn play good enough to do that? No, absolutely not. But if you continue to play like you had been playing, then the opportunity would have been there for you to host a Super Regional for the first time ever. And that's what's disappointing more than anything, is the fact that in Clemson, South Carolina, the Volunteers went and handled their business, and then Auburn just couldn't quite do what they needed to do here. And Maybe you we saw this getting started in, in Hoover, right? Because their last win of the season was against Missouri. That was their last win because then they went up against well, Vanderbilt. Their last four wins. Yeah, yeah, last four wins, literally. They went up against Vanderbilt, just couldn't quite get going. They went up against Alabama, just couldn't quite get going. Then you come into the regional, 
and you let Penn beat you, and Southern Miss just hit a couple home runs, and that was it. That's all she wrote. Season's over. Yeah. I mean, it, it's – I was very disappointed in Gabe Gross and his ability to – and the approach of the Auburn hitters and the lack of ability to adjust. I was disappointed on Friday. Um, I don't think Butch Thompson and um, I don't think Shone Rock handled the pitching staff all that well. I mean, Lindsey Crosby was tweeting about it uh, in, in real time. You left Bauman in the game too long. Mm-hmm. You had Will Cannon up and ready. You didn't go to him soon enough. The game started to get away from you. You had to scramble back to force extras. Um, I just don't think it was – I don't think Friday was, was a well-managed game by the Auburn staff, and it was disappointing to see. Um, Saturday, I think a team jumped on you a little bit, got up 4 nothing. And I think Auburn kind of tucked their tails. I, just, I I don't think they had the fight. I don't like. Whereas, even against Vanderbilt, even against Alabama in the SEC tournament, yes, you got down in those games, but you showed fight late. Did not feel that. Did not feel that at all. Out of Auburn on Saturday, and I mentioned this too. You played inside your home ballpark, and Friday night that place was slam packed for a They're six o'clock game. For anything. Anything exciting to happen on Auburn's behalf. Yep. And there was none. There was nothing for the crowd to which, get into. Which is why it was just like, I mean, it was a good crowd. I mean, it was loud at times, I guess. But you wasted the environment mm-hmm. because it could have been electric. It was a but double. Somebody, somebody had to get an extra base hit. Yeah. it was a, didn't have one. It was a double sellout. I mean, the whole stands were full, and then you had people in the outfield, people in the parking deck. I mean, you had all types of people watching this baseball game on Friday and and Saturday, too. But the midday heat and midday start on Saturday, I think, limited a few people from going. But Friday night, man, Friday night was jam-packed. It's also, like, whether you like it or not, and this is going to happen at every regional when you're a host, when you perform that badly in game one and you lose to the four seed, your crowd's not going to be great for the second one because people are going to be like, uh, okay. I mean, if they win, I'll go to game three. Right. But I'm not, I don't really want to go up there right now to go watch. I mean, right or wrong, that's a thing that happens. And, and that's a thing that definitely happened on Saturday. And I don't think that's calling out Auburn fans. I think that's just the situation in general. Well, I, I, it would happen for any fan base. Any fan base. I mean, I'll be honest. I kind of was, I mean, I was getting ready to go to the game after playing some, playing golf in the morning. Saw the three-run home run. And I was like, okay. If they show sign of life, I'll, I'll, I'll be there. And then I think I fell asleep in the fourth inning. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people that were in that. Like the sixth or seventh? I'm sure there were a lot of people in that boat. And that's the thing. I think you put it the right way. They did. They wasted the environment. They wasted the opportunity. When you host a regional, you have every advantage possible. You do. You have every advantage that the NCAA allows you to have. Yeah. And I I I haven't thought about Auburn wasting an environment in almost... 10 months. <laughs> Almost 10 months. Yeah. Almost 10 months. Shout out Brian Harson. Shout Penn out. State game, baby. Yeah, that was that was 
worse. <laughs> that, was, that was way worse. That was yeah, so no, bad. That's way worse. That was that was really really bad. Don't think that happens this year, but we'll see how that goes. But yeah, with Auburn baseball, man, it, it was just tough because the crowd was there, the crowd was supporting, and they just didn't have anything to really get loud about. And with that, the poor performance, you go 0 for 2. I mean, it was a it was a bad taste in the mouth of Auburn fans for 2022 and 2023 because the three major sports just didn't pan out the way that Auburn fans wanted them to. Football season, we know that was a disaster. It ended on a little bit of a higher note thanks to Cadillac Williams taking over. Basketball, we weren't expecting this team to be fantastic, but their season ended, I think, sooner than we thought given how they were playing at the time. And same thing with baseball. We didn't expect this team to win a national championship. Halfway through, we didn't know if they'd even make it. And then all of a sudden, they turned it on. They became the hottest team in the, in the country. And you go out and you lose 0-2 in your own regional. Like, for Auburn baseball and Auburn athletics in 22 and 23, the three major sports, wasn't the best. It wasn't the best feeling. And I think Auburn fans would agree with that. And there's a lot of improvements to make in all three sports coming into 23 and 24. Yeah. And you're going to see improvements. I am confident you're going to see improvements in football and basketball. I am very confident about that. Baseball, you're going to have to put in some work because you just think about the guys that theoretically could leave from the lineup. Cole Foster, he's going to get drafted. Bryson Ware, he's going to get drafted. Um, Bobby Pierce could go. Cason Howell's gone after 17 years on, on Auburn's campus. Um, Cooper McMurray, he could be a sneaky draft guy as well. Nate, Nate LaRue's probably gone. I'm assuming he's gone. I don't think he has anything left. You could lose seven guys in the, or I mean, six, that's six guys right there. And you might be looking for an upgrade in terms of bat at second base. I mean, we could see seven bats in the order turnover. That's really tough. That is extremely tough to to replace. Good, bad, or, or neutral. Like they that is tough to replace if you're Auburn. Now they have some really good guys coming in. But oh, yes, they do. It's oh, gonna be yes, hard to replace do. the I mean, you have experience. You had a lot of experience in this lineup, which is another reason why you just feel like this team should have gone a little bit farther and done a little bit more because you said it in the first hour, Carter. They've been there. They've been in these spots. They've had these situations. And watching the two games over the weekend, you would not know it. You would not know that they had been there before. And so, yeah, you lose those guys. Thankfully, Auburn does have, Auburn baseball that is, they have some really, really, really good talent coming in for the next season. So I missed this until I just saw it right now. Um. Tanner Hall for the the ace for Southern Miss pitched again. He started the game again today. Really? So he threw on Friday. Friday. He started Friday and started on Monday. That's really tight. That is really Ooh. tough. And did you see the updated score on that game? Uh five three. And still plenty of room for Southern Miss to score a bunch. I have five five according to the NCAA's website. Oh my my I'm assuming this this 
tying this tying hit is about to happen right now on my screen. <laughs> I can almost predict the future. I'm that good. I'm that good you're at like, my broadcasting skills. You're like my dad when 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 I stream something on the ESPN app and he just pulls up the ESPN like scoreboard app and he's like 30 seconds ahead and just goes ahead and tells you what's going to happen. I'm like this is no fun. This I, is awful. I realized that this weekend watching baseball and stuff. Do you remember and this is really off topic, but do you remember when streaming became a thing and we were like, streaming sports is going to be terrible because it's going to be so behind what cable was? And then after a couple of years, we just realized this is the way of the world and we're just going to go with it. I truly remember it again this weekend how behind streaming is because listening to you know radio or watching it on TV or cable or looking it up online, like everything is off and it really annoys me. <laughs> that is really random, but I figured that out this weekend. You know what infuriates me is why and this should not happen. So I've got two screens. One has a dedicated game. I had it all weekend. It was whatever game the, the Auburn regional was on or the, the Alabama Regionals, well, keeping track of that. And then the ESPN squeeze play thing mm-hmm. with the rotating games or the, the multi-box games. That was always ahead of the designated stream for the other game. And that <laughs> infuriated me because I'm trying to pay. I want to pay attention to the full screen version. And I, in the corner of my eye, I'm seeing all the stuff happen before it happens up there. Yeah, that's really annoying. But that's where we are. And that Dude, that makes me so mad. I hate it. So Tanner Hall threw 123 pitches on Friday and started today. Good Lord. That, I mean. This, I mean, Scott Barry really doesn't give gum anything (laughs) about about his final season. What are they going to do, fire him? He cares about winning, I think. (laughs) I don't know if that's a winning recipe. Unreal. I mean, as of right now, it's that's a gross. It's a tying recipe, tied five five. Penn Southern you have Miss a draft bottom four prospect pitcher that you're not looking out for the best interest of because you're like, yeah, I want to win a game. Yeah, who cares about this kid in his future? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that's. I did not know he started today. That's unbelievable. Which goes to what Auburn did on Saturday. My mind. No, that's what I'm saying. I had no idea. He went 30 pitches before he got knocked out after giving up two runs and two innings. Well, at least they didn't leave him in there to die. But he threw 123 pitches. You oh, I know. Cannot make him throw today. No, I'm I'm with you. I'm that's with you. Selfish and stupid. Which tells and me honestly he and he clearly was not 100 percent because he gave three hits and two runs and two innings. Yeah, that that blows my mind, which tells me outside of their first two, Southern Miss has nothing. That's what that tells me, because Auburn faced their their two guy on Saturday, and he was still good enough to beat Auburn. So we'll give you updates on Penn and Southern Miss happening at Plainsman Park right now in the Auburn Regional after the Tigers were knocked out over the weekend. we got to get to our first break here in hour number two. Give us a call. Phone lines are open. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Best and worst things we saw in sports from over the weekend. We'll talk about that on the other side. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. 
question of the day here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird, with you on ESPN 106.7. We do it every Monday. Best and worst things we saw in sports from over the weekend. We'd love to hear from you as well. It can be Auburn-related. doesn't have to be, but we'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. And Carter, I'll let you start. It could be about Auburn. And if it is, it's Best. totally fine. Best, Best and I'm worst things with, you saw uh, this weekend. I'm going to one of these. I think it's the Conway Regional. MJ Metz, the Duke, I think first baseman. He's an enormous human being. He's six foot six, like 230 pounds. In their first game of their regional, three home runs on a torn ACL. On a torn ACL. Yeah, that was unbelievable. That's wild. That's unbelievable. And didn't you tell me they knew that coming in and he just yeah, yeah, played no, anyway? No, I mean, he it, it's a um it's a Tim Elko from from Ole Miss last year. The guys the guys got a torn ACL or was that last year or was that 2 years ago? I don't know. But Tim Elko tore his ACL his last year at Ole Miss and kind of just rehabbed the knee a little bit. And then they locked him out in a big old brace, and he DH'd with a with a torn ACL, uh, and that's what that's what MJ Metz is doing for Duke or did for Duke, and that's awesome. Yeah, that is that's unbelievable. Awesome. I could not be me. Like, there's no chance you know, I would ever even consider doing that. Um, the best thing that I saw in sports from over the weekend. I'm going to I'm going to golf and I'm going to golf. I know where you're going? Do you? Yes. I have two, kinda. I kind of have two. There's there's the easy one. There's one A and one B. One okay. A is Victor Hovland finally breaks through. Uh, he finally gets a win. He proved me wrong because he's gotten very very close numerous times. It was going to happen at some point. It was going to happen. I just questioned whether Victor Hovland on the PGA Tour had that that for lack of a better term the dog. dog in him yeah literally the dog in him because that's what everybody says but it's true he to the likes of a Brooks Kepka, Bryson DeChambeau, John Rahm those types of guys Scotty Scheffler he broke through Victor Hovland got a win now he got it because the guys in front of him didn't play great and he played really well and he ends up getting the win in the playoff and so congratulations to Victor Hovland uh, at the Memorial Tournament but the best thing I saw is the best golfer in the world continuing to be the most consistent golfer in the world, Scotty Scheffler, who every oh, single Sunday... That's not where I thought you were going to go with this. Shocker, right? Scotty Scheffler... Do you know where I was going to go with this? Maybe. I don't think you do. Maybe I don't. I'll say mine, and then you can say yours. Scotty Scheffler is the best player in golf right now, and here's why. Every Sunday in the year of 2023, when you turn on a golf tournament on TV... Scotty Scheffler is somewhere near the top of the leaderboard. Always. In the month in the year of 2023, including his third place finish yesterday at uh, at the Memorial Tournament. Here are his results in 2023 for Mr. Scotty Scheffler. Starting in January, January 18th, he played in a tournament, he got 11th. February 8th, the Phoenix Open in Scottsdale, he won that one. He he placed first. The Genesis Open in February, he got 12th. The Arnold Palmer, he got 4th. The Players' Championship, he won. He missed the cut at the Austin Country Club at match play in the WGC. Okay. The Masters, top 10 finish. 
RBC Heritage, 11th. Byron Nelson, 5th. PGA Championship, runner-up, and a third-place finish yesterday. Scotty Scheffler is the best golfer in the world, and it's not close. He is the consistent guy that is always in contention, and it's unbelievable to watch. That's the best thing I saw this weekend. I thought you were going to go Rose Zeng. Oh, okay. Rose Zeng, okay. the former yeah. Stanford women's golfer, yeah, who two weeks ago won her second consecutive NCAA individual championship, turned pro last week. This was incredible. First event, won. Yes, she did. And it's like the first time that's happened in fifty-two years. Yeah, that's crazy. Like that's an unbelievable story. She won the uh, the junior amateur, uh, the U.S. amateur, uh, the the women's golf tournament uh, for amateurs at at Augusta. She's been the number one amateur player in the world for the last three years. But that's crazy. That's that unbelievable. Doesn't happen. No, ever. it doesn't. At she, any level. Also, just another fun note: she broke Tiger Woods's win record at Stanford right before she won the national championship, wow. and then turned pro, and then did this in her first. Time. I didn't know that stat, but that's really, really cool as well. So, look at the game of golf producing some of the best things we saw in sports from over the weekend. But Jacob She's, Hillman. She's made one start. There's already 62nd in the world. Good for her. Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network joins us when we come back. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. We've got 30 more minutes here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins. With me, as always, is Carter Bird. And as always, on Mondays at 3.30, it's Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network joining us on the phone lines. Jacob, I know uh, hopefully we're not bothering you in what is now your offseason, brother. Yeah, no, yeah, it, it is the offseason now, but we're already getting ready for football, getting ramped up and uh, ready for the, uh, for the fall. Well, that's right. Well, unfortunately, it is your offseason because uh, Auburn baseball uh, did not perform up to par this weekend in their regional at Plainsman Park. On Friday night, they lose to Penn. And then, of course, on Saturday, they lose to Southern Miss. They go 0-2 in regional play and are out of the NCAA tournament. Jacob, I know you were at Plainsman Park all weekend. What did you see from the Tigers and what went wrong? Yeah, it was it was a lack of hitting on, on Friday night and and mostly timely hits. Uh, Auburn was able to get the bats going a little bit in that second game against Southern Miss in the elimination game, had nine hits, but only two runs to show for it. Now in game one, uh, only four hits for the three runs that Auburn put across. And and I think, like you, like I said, it was, it was timely hitting, and Auburn was hitting the ball hard at times. I think Chris Stanfield hit three this weekend that uh, I thought could have gotten down in the gap or – or, 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 or really done some damage. I, I, the one that I specifically remember was Friday night in the eighth inning. The bases were loaded. He, he hit one to the right center field gap, and had that ball been launched two degrees lower or had it traveled ten feet further, this conversation might be going a different way because uh, that just was, was a perfectly played by the right fielder uh, for Penn to, to prevent any further damage in that eighth inning by Auburn, and that could have blown the game open, but it didn't. So, I thought the pitching was good enough this weekend. I thought Chase also had a great outing uh, on Friday oh, night. Yeah. And then, uh, Tommy Vale obviously was a little uncharacteristic giving up three home runs when he'd only given up three the whole season. But I still thought uh, Auburn did enough pitching 
wise uh, uh, to get the job done. It was just a matter of those timely hits never coming. Yeah, it was an uncharacteristic weekend for Auburn. Made some errors as well that that uh, hurt them as well. When you look at that Auburn lineup that had been so hot for so long, and then really here in the last uh, week and a half, starting in the last couple games in Hoover, they got a little cold and it carried over this weekend. What do you think is is the reason behind why why the bats went cold in a big spot? Yeah, I think at times that you know the season is it, the way it flows is just up and down, and there are times. Uh, I think that Alabama series earlier this year, uh, that was the first weekend we saw the pitching really uh, show out this season, and 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 the bats weren't uh, up to par like they had been throughout the season, and that was kind of that was a frustrating weekend because you finally get the pitching, but uh, the, the bats didn't come through like they had so much. Uh, so far that season, I, I think it was kind of a similar deal this past weekend, where uh, Auburn went just went into a run at the wrong time, and uh, because I think looking back at Hoover, obviously the Missouri game was, was a really uh, great performance. Vanderbilt was a bit of a weird game; it started really late, and Auburn did some things well in that game, uh, just couldn't get a win. And then the Alabama game was was kind of what we saw this past weekend, and. Obviously, there were there were things in the Alabama game. You know, Bryson Ware broke uh, the single season Auburn home run record. That there were guys that showed out, but this weekend it, it was just no one really got going consistently. Uh, a lot of guys recorded a hit in game two, but it, it wasn't pieced together or strung together. And in game one, like I said, it was only four hits. So I, I, I just think stringing together hits they they didn't come like they usually did. Uh, throughout the season, especially when Auburn was on that uh, eight or nine game winning streak going into Hoover, so I, I just think that that you kind of hit the rut at the wrong time, and and really Auburn wasn't able to to bounce back, and and it was a tough regional. Obviously, Penn uh, they're performing really well right now. We didn't really I didn't really expect them to be as good as they are, but right now they're obviously tied with Southern Miss in that elimination game, and and I, I expect the Southern Miss to give. Uh, Auburn a tough battle and and obviously they did on Saturday. And Hillman something that we brought up earlier today was you know Plainsman Park was full man it, it was jam packed yeah. inside the park outside the park in the parking deck and in the in the outfield you were there obviously but they just didn't they never had a chance to really get loud and for it to be a true home environment for Auburn. Right and it was an incredible crowd obviously both days and and, and and Southern Miss, as well as Penn and Sanford, brought fans as well. So it, it was a fun time at the ballpark. But, again, you're right. It, it Without those rallies, without the hits being strung together, it's tough for a crowd to get into it. Now, I will say that in that eighth inning against Penn, there were points, and, and later in that ball game where it got really loud when, when, when trying to put pressure on, on the opposing team, on the opposing pitcher. And, uh, yeah, like you said, it, it was just – it was one of those things where – you felt like you were behind uh, for for a bit of the game. You were, but I still think that uh, that that crowd. Uh, another year that Auburn broke its single season attendance record. They've done that two years in a row now, uh, just barely edging out the 2022 record this year by about 2,000 fans. So uh, it shows that Auburn's committed to baseball, and obviously that bigger and better things are coming for this program and Butch Thompson. And what makes it just a little bit more tough to to take it all in is the fact that Tennessee took care of business in yeah. Clemson, South Carolina, and if Auburn were to have done that here at home, they would have been hosting a Super Regional for the first time. 
Yeah, and that felt like it would have been the next step for this program, obviously. Uh, It's kind of funny if you look down the years and how this the trajectory of this program has gone, you know, first it reached a regional, then it won a regional, and, and, and so on and so on. It made it to Omaha, won a game in Omaha for the first time in 25 years last year, and then you host regionals in back-to-back years for the first time in program history. The next logical step was to host a super regional and get back to Omaha, but obviously I think you look back at those years, and Auburn had won nine straight regional games, swept three consecutive regionals ahead competed in obviously going back to uh raleigh north carolina the nc state regional then you look at the atlanta regional back in 2019 and then last year the auburn regional and then this year uh you just never really get it going and and that, that that's baseball sometimes when you look at this auburn lineup going into next year um you potentially could lose as many as six bats in the lineup with larue case and howell bryson ware cole foster maybe Cooper McMurray and Bobby Pierce. How can Auburn reload and get some some big bats into this lineup uh, in the transfer portal and through through the high school ranks? Right, and, and, and yeah, it's, right now it's obviously tough to, to kind of gauge where Auburn's lineup will be right now because I think there's so many guys that have a decision to make. And, um, you could lose as few as just a couple guys, and you might lose as many as, like you said, six guys. So, um, I think it does start with the guys that you know will be back. Chris Stanfield, Ike Irish, those guys are going to be your key pieces in the lineup after what they did this season. Obviously, Stanfield solidifying himself uh, in the outfield and possibly even in the leadoff role, and, and Irish doing so uh, in that designated hitter role, and he can kind of move around the lineup as well as the field a little bit. But as far as the transfer portal, obviously that's, that, is a, that is a very uh, – uh, that's going to be different uh, this year because now you're also starting to see the final guys go through that COVID year, and uh, you're starting to see those grad transfers uh, move away uh, from from different spots. And I think that uh, Coach Thompson he's he's done a great job. Obviously, I mean, you look at this this past roster; a lot of them were transfers. Uh, whether it's Tommy Vale in the pitching staff or Cooper McMurray with the bat. Uh, there are opportunities. Justin Kirby was a transfer as well who, who made an impact this year. So th- there are obviously opportunities to do that, and Butch Thompson is not afraid or shy about going after someone in the transfer portal if they're going to help this baseball team uh, pick things up. Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network joining us here on the Monday edition of On the Line as he does every single week at 3.30. Hillman, now that the athletic season for Auburn is is in the books for the main three, right? Football, basketball, mm-hmm. and baseball. In your mind, and just in your words, recap what 2022 and 2023 was for Auburn Athletics. Of course, you working uh, closely with Andy and Brad and all of the the great people at the Auburn Sports Network. Recap the 2022-2023 athletic season for Auburn. Well, you look back, I think the the first thing you have to do is go back to November. I I think that's pretty obvious, and and obviously the coaching change, and and Cadillac Williams, obviously, that that Texas A&M game. Uh, back in November was one of the more magical moments in in Auburn history. Obviously, it was a three and six Auburn team playing, but still something that people will remember forever for their entire lives. It's something I will remember for my entire life. So, uh, and then you move on to men's basketball, and and that team 
It, it had to grind it out. That 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 was a grind for sure. And I think that's similar to this baseball team early in the yeah. season. Both those teams, they 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 kind of grinded it out early in the season where sometimes things weren't going so well, but ultimately they 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 ended regular seasons on extremely high notes. And, and then you get to the postseason, you you get a win uh, to start the postseason. But obviously, it doesn't end the way you want it to. It, it's still uh, a year where you look back and you see the positives and you see uh, the light at the end of the tunnel, especially with football, with what Cadillac Williams did and Hugh Freeze coming in uh, to the mix uh, in early December. So, uh, you know, obviously, it was my first. I, I, I've been I've been in Auburn for the last five years, uh, back dating back to my freshman year. But it, it was one of the more fun years that I was a part of. Just just having just getting to be a part of it. Yeah, uh, obviously going into this next football season, a lot of talk has been over the past week or so about the future of SEC football and the scheduling model. So I'll ask you this, Jacob. If Jacob Hillman could choose eight games or nine, and who are your protected rivals? Yeah, this one, this is an interesting thing, and I, I've been pretty solid on nine games. I, I do see the argument for eight games, and and, you know, it's not the end of the world either way, in my opinion. I like nine games, and I like having Alabama and Georgia as your permanent rivals. Now, obviously, they're, they're, everyone said what they said, but I, I just think there's something about it that whenever you get to play Georgia and Alabama every year, like those, those rivalries do mean something. And I, I think that the nine-game schedule, uh, looking at it from the SEC standpoint, I think that helps in the long run. I, th- I think that is the most profitable. I think that is uh, – Kind of the more it's more fun, and it gives the fans kind of the best games week in and week out. And I think that having these, uh, having just eight games, yeah, you still get the same thing, but it does make it a little more difficult to one rotate each opponent in the conference to every school while also maintaining those traditional rivals. And I think nine games balances that perfectly, where. Uh, you get to see everyone, and you also get to keep those traditional rivals. So I, I, I think Auburn playing Alabama and Georgia every year, I think that, that's something that needs to, needs to continue, but it's not going to be the end of the world either way. Well, this time next year when Greg Sankey gives you a call and asks what your opinion is, you just tell him that, okay? <laughs> well, I, I will for sure do that. I mean, as long as you guys are okay with that, that that's all that matters. I mean, yeah, you can you can you can give our, our opinions too. It's okay. Well, it, it's an interesting conversation, and it, it it's going to continue to change, and it's going to continue sure. to evolve as things move on. But Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network, he joins us every Monday at three thirty, right here on On the Line, talking all things Auburn athletics. Hillman, uh, we know you are uh, hopefully going to enjoy uh, some some time off and enjoy some downtime with seasons wrapping up. But we know football season is right around the corner, so let everybody know where they can keep up with you and everything you got going on yeah y'all follow me on twitter at jacob hillman au quick shout out to the one the one sport left going is is track and field they'll be headed to austin texas on wednesday for the national championship there are 10 individuals that qualified um there's some there's some athletes that i think have a chance at at making some noise there auburn's got a trio of uh hammer throwers that are going to have a chance to make some noise on tavius hill on high jump maddie malone on the hammer throw so uh, it'll be exciting to see them compete in Austin this week to, to officially wrap up the Auburn athletic season. Yeah, shout out Auburn track and field, the last team standing as they will be competing, as Jacob Hillman said. So, hey, man, we appreciate you and your time as always, and uh, we'll talk to you next week.
Yep, I'll see y'all then. War Eagle. That is Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. He joins us every Monday uh, right here on the show talking all things Auburn Athletics. 3.30 on Mondays here on On the Line. Interesting thoughts from him, and I think an interesting comparison talking about Auburn baseball and basketball where it was a grind throughout the year, and then you you end the regular season solid. You get that first postseason uh, win. Obviously, Auburn baseball was with Missouri in the SEC tournament, uh, and then both of them coming into the postseason, you felt like both of them could make some noise and make a run, and in both of those basketball and baseball seasons kind of ended uh, more abruptly than what we thought and so interesting comparison there we'll talk about it and wrap up the show on the other side if you want to come in and join us for the final segment we'd love to hear from you 334-321-1390 we'll wrap up the monday edition of on the line when we come back you are on the line on espn 1067 Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. I got a few more minutes here on the Monday edition of On the Line here on ESPN 106.7. So uh, you know how we have the new season of The uh, Bachelorette coming up? Yeah. So we've got an Auburn alum as the girl, Charity Lawson. Oh, goodness. And one of the contestants... Here we go again. Former Auburn offensive lineman, Caleb Kim. What? Double Auburn connection coming up on, <laughs> on The Bachelorette, baby. <laughs> what? Here are so the fun facts about oh Charity uh, Lawson. Oh, All-time favorite movie is The uh, Notebook. Is it time to go home She yet? wants to move to Walt Disney World's. She wants to move. She wants to move to Disney World. That's what. That's what it says. Uh, She throws a mean axe, and then Caleb Kim would love to coach high school football. I don't know what what's standing in the way of that right now as a former SEC center. Um, Personally offended by mayonnaise, and uh, hopes to visit South Korea and learn more about his heritage. (laughs) There you go. I can't. I can't take it seriously. I can't. Oh, not again. <laughs> not again. So we have an Auburn grad backed Lorette, and a former Auburn offensive lineman will be one of the guys competing. Wouldn't it be hilarious if they end up together and it's like, you could have just not done the show and found each other because you were on campus at the same time. Uh, were they on campus at the same time? Yeah. That's phenomenal. That is fantastic. Awesome. So here's the real question. <laughs> How many of us in Auburn media, talking heads, whatever, whatever, are going to watch it and call it our job? Not me. I'm not going to watch it. For the Auburn connection, they will keep Caleb Kim around for a while. I I promise you that. Heck yeah, they will. They will play that up at some point. Yeah. 100%. Hey, whatever brings the ratings and whatever. Ratings equal what? money so whatever they have to do to make sure they get those ratings and money that wow so uh they'll they'll probably turn it into a storyline like caleb kim always had a crush on her and this is they're gonna come up with the dumbest storyline it's gonna be awesome that is fake as everything (laughs) so does that mean they're gonna be coming i guess when when they come and do you know come and visit auburn are they gonna do that because that's what happened the first time well that's because maddie pruitt lived in auburn Gotcha. Oh, yeah, I guess that makes sense. I guess she's not technically, doesn't have to be from Auburn. I don't know where, where she's from. But, but she just went to Auburn. Yeah. Okay. They probably or won't make his... It'd be a hometown for him, I guess. Is that how they do that? 
Yeah, the the contestants host the the hometowns. Got you. Okay. I've watched enough of it to at least hype. this would be the most off, the most offered season of the Bachelorette ever. Yeah. Oh my gosh. When does that start? Not that I, I care, I don't but know. oh I don't my gosh! Know. Well, there you go. There's your there's our your friends, really uh, <laughs> our friends at Auburn Daily wrote, wrote an article about it. I think Lance did. Lance did either I Lance think. or Zach did. There's no doubt. Probably Lance. Who wrote it? Was it? Are you looking it up right now? Yeah, I am. It was probably Lance. Let's just it be honest. It was 100 percent probably. Lance. <laughs> that is that is a nugget that Lance Dahl would have and would would post an article about because what is it now? It's talking season. So. There you go. Lance tweeted it because that because that's how I found it. Got you. Okay. Well, there's your talk with him about this this week. I cannot wait. He's on the show tomorrow. Also, guess who else is on the show tomorrow? Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers, will join us in hour number one at two thirty in the studio to recap all of Auburn athletic seasons. Lance Dahl, uh, artist and uh, writer for Auburn Daily and The Bachelorette, so we'll talk to him tomorrow as well. Come back two to four right here on ESPN 106.7. Until then, stay safe. I'll talk to you later.